Welcome to the Go Home Show. This is episode 16. We are coming out of Hell in a Cell with about 37 pay-per-views coming up in the next four weeks. It's not that many, but it's a whole bunch. I mean, with between now and, and Survivor Series, you've got, uh, and I, I, I'm probably getting these out of order, but you've got the the greatest super showdown rumble in Australia. I don't know what it's called. It's it's a thing. It's a big old thing in Australia. They're going back to Saudi Arabia um, in early November, and in between there, you've got the women's pay-per-view, Evolution. Um, and uh, before I get into what I want to talk about, and then, of course, later in November, you have uh, Survivor Series. Before we get into what I really want to talk about, I, I do want to kind of address the Saudi Arabia thing. WWE, in my mind, um, I, I don't know if they're stupid or they think we're stupid, but I feel like they, they can get away, in my mind, and again, I, I don't matter. Um, I'm just one fan. But in my mind, they could get away with one trip to Saudi Arabia under the guise of, you know, we, we want to make a difference there. Um, but there were some quotes that came out from, from Saudi Arabian leadership after their last trip where they were basically like, it ain't happening. Um, you're, you're not going to push us to the point where, where women have equal treatment in this stuff. And then what we saw during the Saudi Arabian show was, was some government propaganda about how good Saudi Arabia is getting for women um, and for equal rights. But we know that's not really the truth in what we've heard since then. So to go back to Saudi Arabia, so close to evolution, just, I don't know, it it, it just reeks of a money grab. And, and if that's a money grab, that's fine. But just do a show. Don't don't stop in the middle for a, for a five-minute commercial about how uh, great Saudi Arabia is, is becoming and, and the great things that Saudi Arabia is doing for women. When we're talking about things like being able to drive... Uh, that's just kind of ridiculous to me. If you want to just make money and put a show in Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia is going to pay you a bajillion dollars to come do a show there, then just go do a show there and get your money and be done. Uh, don't try to pretend that's a part of, of any greater cause because it's not. Uh, I will gladly record a podcast and tell you I was wrong if I'm wrong, but so the Saudi Arabian government is not going to reverse their stance on women's rights because of a wrestling show. That's not going to happen. And they've made it clear it's not going to happen. So stop trying to sell us on that. That's just that's just kind of how I feel about it. But anyway, what I actually want to do this week is, you know, we've had a full week of uh, Hell in a Cell and then the two following shows for Raw and SmackDown. So I'm just going to do, I, I did this a little bit earlier in the in in the show, in the podcast. I forget which episode. I just want to do a quick three up, three down. You know, three things I like stuff for this week, th- three things I don't like. And a lot of these are, are beyond this week. A lot of these are, are more extended storylines or, or efforts. So I'll just start. I'm going to do one of each. I'm going to alternate back and forth. So the first thing I don't like is the Brock situation, the Brock Lesnar situation. Uh, the, the main reason I don't like it, one, I thought we were through with him, at least for a while. Um, but two, it, it, it's what it does. That show was a really good pay-per-view. The regular on-screen talent that's there week in and week out. Again, Ronda Rousey doesn't wrestle that much, but she's on the show pretty much every week doing something. Um, 
the regular on-screen talent put on probably the best pay-per-view, at least of this year, match for match. Um, lots of good matches, mostly good results. But what overshadows it is the is Brock Lesnar showing up again at the end. And, it, and you might say, well, you don't have to let it overshadow it. But when you put a match in the main event, what you're telling your fans are this is the most important match. This title that's on the line in this match is our most important title. This story is our most important story, and we're putting it on last. That's what that means. Or that's what you've told us for years. That's what that message is. All right? So you take that match. You involve your six top stars right now, the six people who are in your top stories, and have two of the two top... Well, all four of your men's belts on that show, your flagship show, are involved in that final match. You've got the Universal Championship match. You've got the tag team champions coming down trying to get involved. You've got the Intercontinental Champion and his tag team partner coming down to stop them. It's a Hell in a Cell match, one of the company's most historic matches. Oh, yeah, it also involves the Money in the Bank briefcase, one of the biggest storylines in the company all year all tied up in this one match and Brock Lesnar comes out and just lays it to waste. Brock Lesnar comes out, kicks the door in on Hell in a Cell and we're not going to see him again until eh, maybe maybe we'll see him once between now and Saudi Arabia and then we'll see him in Saudi Arabia. So you just let Brock Lesnar and the two baddest men in the main roster are in that cell. They've been laying around for 10 minutes, hadn't really done anything. Here comes Brock and he can take them both out with no opposition. Ends the match. There's no winner. Braun Strowman loses his briefcase. And for what? To set up a triple threat that you didn't need that to set up. Brock Lesnar's owed a rematch. You can make up contract stuff where Paul Heyman showed up on Monday night and said, with Brock Lesnar, and said, listen, you Kurt Angle said there's no rematch, but we're guaranteed a rematch within 60 days. That's in the contract. Kurt Angle is just too distracted to read it. And that fits with what they've already told. And then you can have an actual result to that match. You can, even if Braun Strowman loses the match, that's a better use, that's a better way to expend the Money in the Bank briefcase than a no contest where it's just kind of forgotten. So that that's what I don't like about the Brock Lesnar situation. Um, is, is all the things that it overshadowed. But one of the things I do like is heel Becky Lynch. And somebody is probably listening right now going, no, she's not heel, she's stone cold Becky Lynch. If I see that one more time on the daggum internet, I'm probably going to throw one of my cell phones. That makes me sound like I'm a baller and I've got a bunch of cell phones. Just one of my work cell phone. And I use it for personal stuff sometimes. Sue me. Um, I'm allowed. And it, but if I read that one more time, I'm I'm probably gonna throw something. She's not Stone Cold Becky Lynch. She's a heel. Fans want her to be Stone Cold Becky Lynch. They want her to be the anti-hero because all these people that want us to believe they were super high on Becky Lynch for months and weeks and years before this this dastardly act by by Charlotte. They want it to be an anti-hero thing. That, that Becky's not a heel. She's an anti-hero. She's a heel. 
She won like a heel. She won clean. But she wouldn't. She refused to shake Charlotte's hand. Charlotte's clearly the face in all this by the storytelling. You don't like her, so you want her to be the heel. But she's the face. She's trying to show respect. She's trying to tell Becky, look, you're my friend. I respect that you won. You were the better woman. I want to, I want to raise your hand in victory. And Becky's being a jerk about it. That's okay. It's great for her character. It's, a great, it's the right move. This is the best we've seen out of Becky Lynch. But she's a heel. She's the jerk in all this. Charlotte didn't do anything wrong. So, but I love it. I love heel Becky. It's great. It's interesting. It makes that division interesting. It makes that feud interesting. I think it's more interesting having her as the heel than having Charlotte as the heel again. This is more intriguing to me. Yeah, Charlotte's the, the more natural heel, and she will be long-term. She's a flair. But for right now, having Becky as the heel is way more interesting to me, and I enjoy it a lot. Next thing I don't like, Ronda Rousey. I just, I've got a problem with it uh, because a lot of the wrestling writers, and I don't want to say they're in the pocket of WWE or WWE's in their pocket. I don't want to say that, but they won't call it like it is. Everybody who faces Ronda Rousey in a one-on-one match has to go on the shelf. Now, it is certainly possible. You know, I don't want... You know, somebody to come back later and, oh, you guys got worked. It's possible that none of these people are actually getting hurt. That they're setting up an angle down the line that that Rhonda's dangerous. That Rhonda can hurt you. She's the baddest woman on the planet. But I feel like the fact that they're not connecting those dots, that they're not saying, wow, Rhonda's leaving a line of bodies in her wake on television, that they're just kind of, oh, she's injured. Alexa Bliss is just the latest. Alicia Fox got hurt. Nia got hurt. Everybody she's worked with has gotten hurt. Um, so, she's dangerous. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's not a good promo. Her matches suffer because she's not that great. She's not ready yet. She's trying. It's not her fault. But you took somebody who... I told somebody this in our Facebook group, the Top Rope, the other day. I said, her her natural MMA background provides two things. Well, maybe three things for, um, I, I'm going to go back. It's, it's just two. It provides two things for her that your average person that comes into the WWE and signs a contract would have, all right? Uh, it, it's marketing, okay? Uh, you don't have to tell anybody who Ronda Rousey is. You can put her on a poster for an event, and sports fans know who she is, and a lot of non-sports fans will know who she is. All right. So that's one one thing that's an advantage for her over, let's say, when they sign somebody like Ember Moon. The other advantage is it gives you a base for her character, a base for her style. Obviously, that doesn't apply to Ember Moon because Ember is somebody who came in with wrestling experience. But when you're talking about somebody like her compared to, say, a Nia Jax, who comes in with only uh, only modeling experience, she doesn't have um, wrestling experience, you have a base. And again, Nia, again, Nia is a terrible example, too, because she's a juggernaut. She's bigger than everybody else. You know what her style is going to be. But I think you, you catch my drift. The average WWE signee that comes in that's been a model or a power lifter or a, or a, a fitness model or whatever... They don't have a style. Rhonda's got one. You know what you're going to do with her. Everybody knows her as an MMA artist and or an MMA, uh, a mixed martial artist, an MMA athlete. 
So you know the base of her style is going to be that mixed martial arts. You, I, I, don't have to, uh, I don't have to come up with anything for her. That's the extent of it. I could make a case that it's actually harder for her to learn pro wrestling than it would be somebody like Nia Jax or Alexa Bliss because she has to learn how not to hurt you. Alexa Bliss is a, is a blank canvas. She doesn't know how to actually hurt somebody with an arm bar. So you're teaching her fresh. You're teaching her when you do this, this uh, submission hold, this is how you make it look like it hurts when it doesn't. This is how you make, it look, you make it look like this person is in enough pain that they are want to quit this match when actually it's just a little uncomfortable. All right? Rhonda, you have to teach her the moves she already knows, but in a, but in a way that won't break somebody's arm. And that's hard. So I would argue that her MMA background is actually a detriment to her, and I think that's what we're seeing. She knows how to do a judo toss. A judo throw. She knows how to do that. She doesn't know how to do it in a way that won't actually hurt somebody. And that's what we're seeing. I think a lot of the injuries are those tosses she does. She does them too daggum violent. And it's not the speed. It's not the strength with which she does it. Because we see, especially on the men's side, and, and definitely on the women too, but especially on the men's side, we see people like Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns and, and Brock Lesnar and all those guys and Lesnar's a little dangerous too, but we see all those guys throw people around in ways that it's like, man, that was violent. But they know how to do it in such a way that the person lands right. Rhonda doesn't know how to do that yet. And so a lot of times we see her throw somebody and the person lands really awkwardly. And I would bet that's where the injuries are coming from. Um, but again, nobody will talk about that because she's Rhonda Rousey. She's the company's uh, latest cash cow. So we're not supposed to talk about that, but to me, it's a problem and I don't like seeing it. Um, we'll speed it up a little bit. The raw tag team match is one of the things that I absolutely liked at, um, hell in a cell. Those four guys, I mean, they're, they're, if you're making a list of the best workers in WWE right now, it's those four are in the top seven or eight easily. And if you're talking about guys who, uh, kind of had got their start in WWE. Well, I guess you can't really say that Seth Rollins or Dean Ambrose got their start, so I guess I won't say that. But, you know, these are four of the company's top workers, and they put on an incredible match. And what they're doing overall has been good. I mean, their stories are good. All of their matches are good. Uh, Dean Ambrose and Drew McIntyre put on an incredible match on Monday night. What those four are doing uh, and, and it was kind of epitomized by their tag team match for the uh, Raw Tag Team Championships at Hell in a Cell. What those four are doing and is is unmatched right now in the WWE. The, every great match that we have right now seems to involve one of them. Uh, kudos to Dean Ambrose, specifically. He was out and had a pretty bad experience with his arm surgery, with his, I guess it was bicep, tricep. And... Um, Comes back in better shape than ever, specifically upper body, which is impressive considering the injury. Comes back in better shape than ever, with a better in-ring repertoire than ever. He was doing stuff on Sunday and Monday that I haven't seen him do before. Um, and so it's just it's just really fresh. I, I like what they're doing. I like everything about what they're doing. You've got four guys that any one of them, you could put the Universal Championship on as a part of this whole six-man feud 
and it wouldn't be ridiculous. So uh, kudos to all of them. They're doing a good job. Um, the last one of my three down, the wonky finish to the WWE Championship match at Hill in a Cell. All right, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles are two of the best in the world. They've wrestled each other probably a bajillion times. I don't know. Um, they put on an incredible match. The finish was dumb. All right. Uh, first of all, they just did that variations of that fin- a variation of that finish in NXT with Shayna Baszler and uh, Kyrie Sane. First of all. Second of all, the Coquina Clutch is a dumb move to do that finish with because by the nature of the Coquina Clutch, your shoulders aren't on the mat. You cannot hold somebody in that move and have your shoulders on the mat. It's not possible. If your shoulders are on the mat, you lose that clutch. So neither of Joe's shoulders were on the mat. It's not a pin. So, and you could, and, and what's dumb is you could have done that finish where the ref doesn't see AJ tapping. Samoa Joe thinks he's won. AJ hits a phenomenal forearm or whatever, gets him in the calf crusher, whatever. Samoa Joe loses and you still have the controversy. Just that finish was dumb. I didn't like it. Um, I feel like Samoa Joe should be the one to beat AJ. He's put in so much work as a heel in this feud. Um, I think he should have beat him. I think he should have beat him on Sunday. It was perfect because they've already got the rematch lined up um, just to kind of settle it out. But, again, I, I my biggest problem is that WWE frequently, for the sake of their storylines, they forget their basic rules. And the basic rule is your shoulders have to be down for a pin. If you go back and watch that, Neither of Samoa Joe's shoulder was enough that it would have counted as a kickout if they wanted it to count as a kickout. If that makes sense, like if he was pinned, he had just taken a Superman punch, or if he had just been hit with a phenomenal forearm or whatever, and it was it was supposed to be close to a fall but not quite. If he had lifted his shoulder that much, it would have counted as a kickout. So, and neither shoulder was down. So, in addition to the the, the tap that the ref didn't see. Um, You've got the the shoulder business. It could have been done better, but that's not their fault. That was how it was written to be, and and they did the best they could. And um, but again, great match. So nothing against those two for the match they put on, for sure. Uh, my last up, Baron Corbin. All right, I like Baron Corbin. I think he's talented. <coughs> he's got one of my favorite move sets in the whole company, and he's really good for a big guy. And he manages as a heel to work as a heel and also look impressive. I like Baron Corbin a lot. But when they started shaving his head and putting him in a suit and making him the constable, I thought this would be the beginning of the end for Baron. I really did. I thought this would be a role he would do, and he'd do it for a few months. They'd fire him from that, and next May, he would be in the Future Endeavored group. And it's been the exact opposite. He has taken over this role. He owns this role. He's made, he's made it to where you hate him, but in a good way. Like, I dislike everything about him in this role. And I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, it's not like I want him to go away. I want more of him being awful. I want it, I like Roman Reigns a lot. And Roman Reigns deserves to be Universal Champion. But I really wanted to see what they were going to do if they put the belt on Baron Corbin on Monday night. Like, Baron Corbin booking himself in a Universal Championship match... When on a night when Roman Reigns is obviously, you know, less than a hundred percent, because he just went through a brutal match, and and Baron is the 
gives gives the heel side the advantage because when all hell breaks loose like you knew it was gonna, it's Roman and his two friends against Baron and three friends, including Braun Strowman. I was all in on having Baron Corbin book himself to be Universal Champion. And just the awful heat that he would get for that, I, I was all in for it. So kudos to Baron Corbin. He's the last of my three up for the week. Uh, I, I just think he's doing a great job in the role that he's doing, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And I really hope that they do something where he books himself to a championship or, or something of that nature before his run is up and before we get the inevitable match with Kurt Angle. I think we all know is coming. Um, so, anyway, that's what I've got for the week. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the week and, and continue to enjoy wrestling. And we'll watch all 37 pay-per-views. And uh, until next time, have a good one.